Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the So Weird Podcast. We are on season three, I believe it's episode eight, called Exit 13. I'm Kat. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jimmy. And this week's episode features a pretty unique twist on the typical Groundhog's Day scenario. Who would like to talk about this? Well, it's like a Native American curse placed upon a man and basically he's trapped in a specific place at an exit on the side of a highway called exit 13. Yep so Annie gets a hold of this artifact from Mr. Ziegler and in addition to him having bad luck she is now stuck in this loop where the bus keeps going back to that exit 13 and repeating the same events of the day over and over again until she can figure out how to break the curse. What are you guys' initial impressions of this episode? Uh, Initial impressions? A few years ago, I really didn't like it, but it's grown on me. I really like it um, because of the Native American aspect. I I think it's kind of interesting that all, like a bunch of season three episodes kind of have an indigenous undertone. So I liked it for that aspect. This is one of the more fun episodes of So Weird. And I like to hate on Annie a lot, but I feel like she comes across as really endearing as a character for the way that she sticks up for the two, like the souls of the girls that are related somehow to this rock that she finds. Yeah. So with this episode, we have Annie and the gang traveling on a tour bus. And before we get into that, do we want to talk about the intro beforehand? It's forgettable. I watched it earlier today, and I honestly can't remember it. (laughs) It was like Ziegler running, and Ziegler's like, leave me alone. Stop following me. Okay, now I remember. Yeah, yeah, and basically, that was an interesting intro. I think it's one of the few where it's somebody else kind of, well, I guess it wasn't that strange, because we still have Annie's voiceover. But then Annie starts talking about Native Americans and... I believe she starts talking about different artifacts and how they're usually uh, used for good luck, but then there can be artifacts that can bring curses. Yeah. yeah, I find that really interesting that for an episode that's focused more on, like, it's a time warp, they chose a really cool way of accessing that time loop through a Native American artifact. That's mm-hmm. not something you'd really see in a lot of TV shows with that type of mythology, so I think it is really cool that So Weird tackled that in Season 3. Although I have seen uh, the Groundhog Day plot uh, played it through in other shows, namely Buffy. Yeah, and also re-watching this again, all I can think about is how similar this episode is now. That Season 3 episode of Supernatural where they get stuck in that one day where Dean dies over and over again. Yeah, it seems like it's definitely been used in many television shows and films. Definitely, and it really works well for comedic effect in Supernatural as well as in this episode of So Weird. I remember watching this as a kid and loving this episode, and even now I still find it really enjoyable. Despite me being an anti-Annie fan, this episode is so much fun just to watch. I always laugh at it. 
definitely grown on me through the years. Uh, like I said, I really didn't like it when I first got back into So Weird, but now I kind of love it. And it definitely gives me anxiety. Like, I don't know why every single time that bus is, like, backing up on Carrie, I, I get, like, a sense of anxiety. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of that Final Destination-esque kind of um, scene, you know, where yeah. the bus the brake pulls up by itself and it's really eerie and each time the bus is getting closer and closer and I just uh, get anxious each time like it's gonna smash him. Same. Even though I know I get anxious too. Mm -hmm. Yeah and this episode has a lot of really good moments for Carrie. As somebody who cannot unsee the Molly Carrie subtext, <laughs> I really love the card game going on between Molly and Carrie. And the cute faces he makes when he's winning, like that, oh, 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 that he does. They are definitely flirting during that card game. You cannot tell me otherwise. It's on. And he was looking at her so seriously, like, when he's like, I bet you. Like, or we're playing, you know, like, who's going to take out the trash? Like, and he was just staring at her, like, so, like, intensely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a cute moment. And I noticed that he got his hair bleached. I didn't really notice like the highlights in his hair until this episode. Maybe it was the yellow shirt he was wearing, the hoodie. But mm -hmm. he his hair looks like it got done for this episode. He's got yellow highlights. Yeah, I did oh, wow, not notice that. I knew that he had yellow highlights this season, but I didn't pick up that this was the first episode with it. Hmm. Maybe it's not, but it's the first time I noticed it, definitely. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So as they make this bet over who takes out the garbage, Molly asks Ned, like, oh, hey, do we have time for a stop? And the gang stops off at this exit 13. And here, I think it's a little bit of poor writing because Annie is just standing there watching what everybody else is doing. We have Molly going to take out the trash. And, of course, she swings it without holding it from the bottom. So as she tries to, like, throw it over into the dumpster, the whole bag breaks. And she's like, oh, what did I do to deserve this? Feeling <laughs> bad for herself. You have Jack going to get a soda. He doesn't have change. So he goes to Carrie. And Carrie gives one of my favorite lines from him this episode. Where he only gives Jack 85 cents. And Jack is like, what, 85 cents? And, he's, and Carrie just goes, transaction fees, man. <laughs> I feel like you can see Carrie as, like, even though he's a college dropout, he's street savvy. And I really love that that comes out in this episode. Thus the metamorphosis episode. Yeah. You remember that? How that was going to like kind of tackle his whole alcohol addiction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Chrysalis. Oh, that's the episode. Mm -hmm. I, I was just remembering like that the butterfly comes out of his mouth or something when I read the script or I guess the notes for that script. Yeah, because he was supposed to drink the worm. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then like it pupates. And also maybe I was thinking about the butterfly effect too. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the lead character in that. When you said metamorphosis, my mind went to the Hillary Duff song. Metamorphosis. <laughs> yeah, that was a good song. <laughs> and wasn't that the name of the record? Yeah. It's, yeah. So I thought it was funny that like Annie is just laughing at them. Like if I saw my friend or my mom or anyone like 
throw that much garbage on the ground by mistake, I wouldn't laugh like and just sit there and keep staring at other people. Like I would have ran over and helped. Yeah, it seems really weird that Annie's just standing there watching them. Like, find something else to do, Annie. Don't be a creep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sure enough, she does. She wanders around and she finds Mr. Ziegler trying to fix his car up. It looks like he's selling a bunch of stuff. And she finds this stone with an ancient American carving on it. And Mr. Ziegler tells her it's a paperclip. It's a paperweight. And she's just like, Native Americans had paperweights? Mm -hmm. And somehow she falls for it and buys it anyway for like two fifty after haggling with the guy. And a pack of gum. Yes. <laughs> and immediately after Annie buys the stone, all of a sudden the brake for the bus becomes undone. The bus starts rolling towards Carrie, who gets his foot stuck in a drain pipe or something. And Ned realizes and stops the bus the first time 30 feet away from Carrie. So after the scare of the bus almost killing Carrie, well, you know, not to have drama, like Carrie says, why the drama or, or stop being so dramatic, Dad? But um, then they get back on the bus and that's where Annie starts to realize that things are replaying. Yeah, yeah. at first she doesn't realize it. I think it's when Jack comes in and tells her like, oh, we're getting ready to stop. And she's like, didn't we just do that? And she starts to see the events replaying over again. And nobody can remember except for her, of course. And one thing that strikes me as very odd in this episode is the fact that all of this bad luck, when she first gets the stone, it's not happening to Annie. It's happening to everybody else. Like uh. Molly with the garbage can, Jack with the soda being sprayed in his face, Carrie getting hit by a bus almost. And nothing happens to Annie. And I guess it can be explained away by Annie's panther protecting her. It still strikes me as a little bit odd that, like, Annie's so boring that even the curse makes <laughs> I just uh, found it odd that nobody else uh, had a sense of uh, deja vu. Like, uh, this seems familiar. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it was only Ziegler and Annie that kind of stayed in real time, whereas everybody else kept kind of time warping. But maybe it was the actual Exit 13 that was cursed, you know, because the bad luck started happening before Annie even met Ziegler. Well, I mean, with the know. trash can and the soda being sprayed? I guess, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, I feel like that's just Molly being dumb to swing it. <laughs> And that grinds my gears is at the point in the episode where Annie is trying to stop the bad luck herself. I think this is on like their third, maybe fourth trip back to exit 13. And Annie tells Molly, oh, maybe you should grip it from the bottom. And Molly just goes, I think I know how to take out the trash. Thanks, Annie. <laughs> and it's like, that's so rude. Like she's giving you good advice. Yeah. And Molly does pause and do it that way. But still, why you gotta be so rude about it? Right. And then I like how Annie has a rude moment with Jack. Oh, yes. So I think you're talking about the scene where Annie's about to stop Jack from spraying himself with a face where she's like, oh, don't do that. And Jack responds, do what, goofball? And Annie smugly just goes, never mind. And then he gets sprayed in the face. <laughs> this part, right? Yeah. yeah. So what bothers me about this part, like it's a funny scene and everything, but Jack calling Annie goofball, it 
feels too much like they're trying to force Annie and Jack to having the same relationship as Jack and Faye. And I'm sorry, but it does not work because they're not siblings. It doesn't come off the same way. And from the get-go, Annie and Jack had chemistry together. I'm sorry, but you cannot force them to have the same relationship as Jack and Faye. Yeah, I have the same issue with that, but it is funny to watch every time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because Annie's like the same age as Fee and Jack is like older. Kind of, he kind of took on that brotherly role for her, I guess. Yeah, they've known each other for what, a month? I think it's been longer than a month in the time span, you know, because they've already, it's the eighth episode, so I think it's definitely been some time. Um, okay, so maybe it's like two months. Right. But they've already, like, gone to school and stuff together for however long they were at school. I think, it, you know, some time has passed uh, throughout the episodes since Lightning Rod. So it might be, like, six months, somewhere around there. Uh, probably not six months, because... I forget what episode. Mr. Magnetism, I think, takes place during spring break. Oh. So that would have been uh, more like six months. But, uh, yeah, probably between two, three, maybe four. I don't know how far into the season are we. Yeah. <laughs> Still at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, and this is a longer season, too. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting to note the area that they're in. Uh, Molly does say that they're headed to Niagara Falls, and she asked uh, Ned, how much longer do we have to get to Niagara Falls? And he says, she asked 50 miles, and he says more like 100. And interestingly enough, when we find out where the stone comes from, that tribe is actually in that same area as well. I looked that up. Hmm. So it was the Iroquois tribe uh, where the stone actually comes from. And there's a myth or like uh, some spirits that the Iroquois actually believed in. And they were called the twin gods and they were the sky woman's grandsons. Uh, but they were credited with the creation of humans. And one of the twins was named uh, the good spirit or the good mind and was right handed and was the benefactor of the Iroquois and created many things to help the people. But his twin, which was named the bad spirit or the left hand, was his counterpart creating many obstacles for humankind. And I thought it was interesting that the stone that was creating all of the bad luck was the twin with the left hand cut off. Yeah, that's so cool, I never knew that. But that probably huh. is where they got the inspiration from. Does that make total sense? That is interesting to find out. Yeah. I was just going to jump into kind of the supernatural aspect of the episode where the first supernatural thing that we noticed was really um, the bus, you know, kind of coming out of break. And then, of course, the looping of time. But then the real kind of paranormal thing is Annie hearing the voice of the twin asking, help us. Yes. And yeah. that I thought was a nice touch because it makes it feel more supernatural-esque than just all these things just randomly happening. Mm -hmm. And another thing is that the rock moves on its own. And first it left Annie's backpack when she first bought it and rolled right back to Ziegler. And that's another like writer's technicality that gets me with this episode is that Annie also tells Ziegler after she learns the nature of the stone that you dig it up, it's your curse. 
you are still cursed. You still own this stone. And he's just like, oh, well, it's yours now, not my problem. But if the curse is still on him because he dug it up, why is all this weird stuff happening to the Phillips family who has nothing to do with it and doesn't even know about it? Maybe because it knows Annie will help. I don't know. Yeah, that's the part I feel like they didn't dig enough into. Yeah, very interesting. And that's why I kind of thought, like, maybe it was the exit 13 that could have been cursed, like, because of Ziegler. I don't know. But the weird stuff started happening as soon as they got there, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it does make more sense to paint it as this Native American ancient curse than just being like, ooh, the haunted freeway. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I thought it also was interesting that the other stone was there all along, but that stone was never moving. It didn't roll like out from under the chair. And that kind of enhances that myth that I found out about, about the twins, the twin gods that the Iroquois believed in, that the good stone or the one with the right hand was not um, doing anything bad. It, It was kind of just voided or or it didn't really like have any real characterization in the show only the left hand did that stone was the one creating all the negativity and the bad luck mm-hmm. yeah also to be fair it was being used to like straighten out the table and keep it balanced so it makes sense that if the table was like pinning it down or the chair or whatever it wouldn't be able to roll anywhere mm. And did you think it was funny that when Annie finally goes up to Ziegler after, like, the fourth time loop, um, and he, like, comes out with that chest full of various stones, and he's like, here, you deal with it, it's your problem. And then he gets in the truck to drive away, and then Annie, like, sees the stone start rolling over, and she's like, fine, roll away. Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. even bother her (laughs) that it's, like, rolling. Yeah, that's funny. It just didn't bother her. Well, I guess it did start, like, vibrating and moving in the bus, which made her try to find out about it online anyway. But I did like that we got kind of a, well, sort of a cameo from Fee in this episode on the Instagab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another part between that where Annie, after the first trip back to Exit 13, after she knows they've been there already, where she keeps going to herself, like, oh, it's just a dream. It's just a bad dream. And it's like, why does Annie fail to embrace the paranormal? Like, this show is so weird. She's supposed to be enthusiastic about it. And this is why it bothers me that she's the main protagonist of this season, because she seems to be so against the weirdness while Fee embraced it and loved looking into this stuff. I think it's interesting but uh actually i only noticed that for like the first one or maybe the second one but after she notices uh, something was uh going on with the stone i don't think she had it that it's just a dream thing she just tried to figure it out so she can get out of the loop yeah yeah there were some like really comedic points in the episode as well like I really like the scene where she's talking with Ziegler and she's like, the girl on the stone looks so happy, but she sounds so sad, you know, like right after we hear that, help us. Um, And then it was interesting that Ziegler goes, sounds so sad. What do you mean? 
which indicates that nobody or he didn't hear the voices, only Annie did. Mm -hmm. But then she says, she looks so happy on the stone, what could have changed that? And then Ziegler says, well, she did die. <laughs> that was so funny. I like that part. So then we find out that the stone, when Annie looks it up online, that the Iroquois or Native American tribes, you know, bunching them all up together, not really paying attention to the fact that all of their spiritual beliefs are different and vary mm -hmm. depending on what tribe it is. But it says that um, with twins, they were considered sacred and a special stone was buried with twins when they passed away so that their spirits can spend eternity together. So that was beautiful. And mm -hmm. clearly we start to realize that that's what's happening with the stone being broke. But did you think that the stone looked really cheesy, like the way that it was broke with all of those jagged edges? Yeah. Yeah, and how did Ziegler manage to break it? I don't think he managed to break it exactly. I think like he just found the two halves, maybe. Maybe, yeah, that makes more sense. But she did ask, like, you dug this out of a burial ground? Or like, I think he dug it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he broke it with the shovel when he was digging. Oh, true, maybe. How hard do you have and uh, to be digging, or how hard do you have to drop a stone like that to break it, though? It's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> true. We don't know. We do not know. But it. I was gonna say, oh, the stone is old, but that's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it rolls too. Yeah, rolling <laughs> stones. <laughs> so all in all, this episode, like there's really not a lot to talk about with the episode because it's so straightforward with everything that's happening. That and it's all the same events happening over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. I did think it was interesting, or at least I kind of have to praise the writers that they were headed to Niagara Falls, which is in the Ontario, Canada, um, and New York area. And that is where the Iroquois, that's where they lived back in the time. So it's interesting and you know i kind of want to commend the writers that they did yeah. pay attention to that yeah the writers uh, happen to be uh tom j astle who is the creator and christopher fife nice and christopher fife also wrote a different episode i think uh great mistake oh that's a very memorable one for me yeah you notice all the episodes that have any sort of glance at feet have Tom J. Astle as a writer. That's a really neat connection. I'm glad he never forgot about her. <laughs> and still try to incorporate her into some of the episodes so that the fans can kind of get patted on the head. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, here you go. Here's a little fee for you. But it also kind of gets to me that Annie never seems to be able to like do the research for herself. It's always like, let me ask me. She should know. I think she did a little bit of research before yeah. and she just happened to be online at the time. Or message her first. Yeah. True. Which might show, like, you know, Fee did that curse in Lightning Rod so that she would no longer be connected to the paranormal. But she still knows a lot about the paranormal and 
you know, Annie uses her a couple of times to help with whatever situation is going on. So I guess V didn't really like leave the her interest in paranormal. And it was also ironic that as soon as something bad was happening to Annie, Fee decided to write her, like, out of the blue. Maybe a she had a feeling something was going on. <laughs> she wouldn't be able to, though, because she cut herself off from it. Intuition. I don't think cutting herself off would uh, have much of effect on intuition. Because she's still a witch, and her mother was connected, and so was her brother, you know. So True. maybe maybe her intuition, yeah. All right, so are we ready to go into our ratings for this one? Uh, sure. Uh, I think I would give it an eight, just because uh, yeah, it is interesting and hilarious to watch today, and in general. But um, it doesn't really have a lot, but it also doesn't really need a lot. Uh, and yeah. Good point. So I would probably give it like a 7 out of 10. One thing I really appreciated about it was the the woman chanting in the background. Um, I noticed that the tribal music was really close to the um, Peruvian music that we hear that is kind of surrounding Annie, but it also kind of sounded like the voodoo music a little bit. So clearly it's the same person like doing the music for the episodes. But I love that you could hear a woman chanting in maybe it's Iroquois, but she's chanting. That was really beautiful to me to hear the Native American music. Um, and I really like the episode just because we do get to see Annie in a more kind of comedic episode. Uh, but I have to give it like a seven out of 10 just because there wasn't a lot here other than the, you know, the sisters that were separated and then the looping of time. It was kind of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an insignificant episode. A filler but, episode. Yeah, but it is sort of significant because, you know, spoiler alert, but we do hear back from Ziegler in the last episode, so. Yeah. Yeah, I would go with Melissa and give it closer to an eight because I think this, episode really stands out in season three as one that's fun to watch because there are a lot of episodes this season that just frustrate me as a so weird fan but this one's really still enjoyable it has a lot of funny moments in it there are moments for molly carrie shipping there are moments that make annie likable as a character so that's a major plus yeah normally i automatically want to give a poor rating to a season three episode but this one i don't it still holds up well for me. So good on you, Exit 13. <laughs> I also like that the soda machine that Jack was buying the Coke from was like pre-dollar bill soda machine. Yeah. <laughs> Old school. All right. Pull up our feedback. So, Kobe said on the Dave Ward interview video, Thanks for loving my previous comment, guys. But I'm curious, though, would you be interested in tracking down and interviewing any other cast members? Patrick Levis, Eric Lively, Eric Von Denton, and even Alexis Johnson would make great candidates, as would Henry Winkler. However, I imagine Kara, McKenzie, and Melinda would be the hardest to track down. Am I right? Uh, it's been talked about. Yes. Thank you for the comment. This is something that we do aim to continue to be doing to interview as many people 
involved with the show as we can get in touch and schedule with. Hmm. Yeah, we're working hard on it. And from the Blu-ray kid on the same video, looks like he put So Weird Well behind him. Great interview. Thank you for the feedback. And Matthew Bates commented, I had a huge crush on Faye. I don't Honestly, same. <laughs> Honestly, same. She was probably one of my first celebrity crushes, Kurt Eliza. <laughs> She's a beautiful girl. Yeah. yeah. And even another uh, friend of mine who I got into the show a few years ago is, is like, I would have totally had a crush on her if I'd uh, watched the show growing up. So, yeah, it's everybody loves her. Right, and from the John Wiseman interview, from Proud to be Autistic. So Weird is my all-time favorite Disney show, and when I first read about the original direction that the writers and producers wanted the third season to go, and then Disney refusing to allow it, it really angered me. They had so many incredible, awesome ideas and plans for season three. If Disney had allowed the producers and writers go along with all their original plans, and if Pierre and Elysia hadn't decided to leave the show, season three would have been absolutely epic. I guarantee it would have been by, been the best season by far. But because Kara left, and because Disney is always so hell-bent on making everything G-rated, we unfortunately got stuck with the crappy lighter tone season 3. To state the obvious, the original third season is one we should have had. And the funny thing is, if So Weird had aired on any other network, such as ABC, Fox, or even Nickelodeon, the original third season probably would have gotten the green light and would have come into fruition. I feel you. Our sentiments exactly, uh, I think most So Weird fans definitely feel the same. And we just sort of have to embrace the season three that that is. Um, yeah. But we all we all yearn and crave the season three that could have been. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if, if it even was a Nickelodeon show, if it would have gotten that green light for the original season three. But what gets me is that if it was a Nickelodeon show... Right now, there would probably be a reboot for it, or on ABC or Fox. Mm-hmm. They're doing reboots on a ton of shows, and even though Disney is, Disney doesn't acknowledge anything from the Zoo Disney era, and that's what really gets me. I think whoever was like in management at that time, you know, they just kind of look at it with a side eye, because it wasn't it wasn't their most like profitable era. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Disney's all in the comedies now, so they don't want anything to do with their drama era. Mm -hmm. But thank you for the feedback. I really love that comment because I agree with pretty much everything you said. Me too. Me too. All right, and from the episode Rewinds, from Nyasa Lucero, I am so sorry if I butchered your name. Nasea. Nasea. Thank you. Good review, and also, you didn't butcher my name. You're the first YouTuber I watched that said my name right. Most of the YouTubers I watch get it wrong, so let me know you said it right, and thanks for mentioning my comments. Haha, <laughs> I'm sorry, I messed it up the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, Nasea Lucero. Also, at the she also said, also at the end of your video, when I hear the song, I have agreed with you. It's not that good of a song. I think I prefer the Molly Phillips songs I hear in the show better than I do any songs. And actually, I wasn't on the Rewind episode with you guys, but I just want to add that I love Annie's hair in that episode so much. I used to try to replicate it on my dolls as a kid, 
and I could never get it quite right. And I wish that I could do it in my hair. I tried, and it just ended up a tangled mess. I also, love her hair in that episode, too. Yeah, and also, Never Give Up was one of the Annie songs that I really, really loved as a kid. And, like, content-wise, it falls flat as an adult, especially compared to Molly Phillips' songs. But I still can't help but smile when I hear it. Oh, thank you, Kat. Nobody agreed with me. Everybody disliked it except, well, I think you, Melissa, you like it too. I think the three yeah. of us, the three of us are the only cast members that like that song. Uh, yeah, we're totally cast members. Oh, you yeah, mean podcast, the, podcast members? Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I was saying that we're cast members of So Weird? Yeah, I, I'm tired. In our dreams. <laughs> yeah. Right. And also from Rewind, this is from Moonlight Reel. I remember really liking this episode because it felt like development for Annie. She has a panther. She can protect herself with chance. Her character arc is being revealed. Little did I know, Annie doesn't really have a character arc, not the way Fee does. I'd love to hear from one of the season three creators. Did they think deeply about the show like John Cooksey and his team did? Was anybody trying to build a story for Annie, or did all the creators just sort of give up after they lost Faye? Mystery will probably never know the answer to. Honestly, I think the season three people kind of just forgot about the show. Right, they were like, shit, we all just got hired. We have to scramble to make this work. Yeah. Those are all really good questions. And I do think we should try to get in touch with one of the season three creators writers to see if we can get some answers i just want to get whoever uh wrote um different stories so i can get that song <laughs> terry brewer uh, yeah terry he... brewer. and we've reached out to him but he kind of ignores us yeah i've tried reaching out um i think there has been one season three song that that was leaked to us and that was push me pull you you could find it on youtube but other than that like all the rest of the season three songs we just haven't got our hands on because we can't get in touch with the writers yeah that makes me sad same especially since we have most of the first season songs now yeah moving on <laughs> okay and this is on so weird podcast rewind from andrea I love this review. I always enjoy it when you rate all the episodes. It is refreshing when ratings, opinions on the episode in question differ considerably, like in this review. Jimmy, I so appreciated your reasons for praising Rewind. Also, I had a thought about Jennifer saying that Annie is no Britney. I don't think that was necessarily her true opinion regarding Annie's voice, but it was more of an effort to discourage her mother from stealing her voice. She probably thought if she could convince her mother that she could have a voice better than Annie's, then she might at the very least leave Annie alone. One more thing I want to say about this episode is that it dawned on me that both Fiona and Annie became lightning rods to the paranormal at the same age. Fiona was three when her father died an unnatural death, and Annie said she was three when she lived in the Amazon, during which time she encountered the man who became her protector and spirit animal. Beautiful. I, I never thought of that point about her saying, oh, well, she's no Britney. But I think you're totally right, Andrea. That makes so much sense that she was just trying to kind of thwart her mother from thinking Annie had the best voice. And then also that was really a beautiful point 
about them both being three years old when the paranormal kind of came into their lives. Honestly, though, looking back at Annie's song, Annie looks way older than three. <laughs> yeah, it bothers me. She looks like she's seven in that episode. Well, it's kind of like Interview with the Vampire. Like, in the book, Claudia's character, played by Kirsten Dunst, is actually supposed to be five years old. But in the movie, the or Kirsten Dunst, she was actually nine and nine and a half years old because they couldn't quite get somebody so young to have or say all of the lines. That is true. Yeah. But I think young Annie only had like one line. <laughs> but yeah, it is true just because seeing how little a three-year-old is, it's kind of hard to control them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard to direct them. Did in Boy Meets World where the young actor for Joshua didn't work out in the season finale. So the director or creator of the show, Michael Jacobs, just put his own kid in and he did fine. Some kids could really pull it off, but we know the season three writers were like scrambling. So they yeah. probably just casted a girl who was like five or six. Yeah. Before we finish up, I just wanted to say that I really do agree with Andre's interpretation of um, the line where the girl's telling her mom, like, oh, she's no Britney. I did see that kind of as a way of her trying to be like, oh, please don't steal her voice. I don't want her voice. I want my voice. Yeah, so that's how I saw it, too. So thank you so much for the comment, Andrea. It's always good to hear from you. And then her twin, Messiah. Did I say it right? Nisaya. Yeah. Nisaya. Okay. <laughs> Nisaya has said, Great episode. I love this episode. It's great finally for season two. Also, you said the demon sprite was bad CGI. I don't agree with that. To me, the sprite kind of scared me when it appears, and I like the moment between Fee and her father. It was very heartwarming. I'm sad to be done with the show. I really enjoyed it. It's great, and I root for you guys. Hope it comes back one day, and I keep begging Disney as well. Also, this isn't the first time Disney had this idea about twins having special bonds and abilities each other. For fans of Sweet Life, Zack and Cody, and watch Sweet Life on Zack, the Sweet Life movie has the same idea. I don't know if Disney thought about this episode when they were making the movie, but probably not. You never know with Disney when they have ideas. Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool to hear from somebody who it sounds like just watched a show saying that they're sad to be done with the show. Especially when the show's not done. <laughs> not really. Well, maybe she means the season. Because yeah. that was the end of season two. And I and have to agree. Yeah, the end of the... And I have to agree, like, I liked the CGI for that episode. And I really liked the behind-the-scenes videos that we got for that episode. Because mm -hmm. we kind of got to see a little bit how they made that roof scene. That yeah. was... It was neat. And for the time, the sprite was really creepy to me as well. Yeah, same. Yeah. So thank you so much for the feedback, everybody. We'd love to hear from you. And we love to hear everybody's different takes on the episodes from So Weird. Mm -hmm. Do we have anything else that we want to bring up? Just that we are working really hard. You know, we've contacted several individuals to try to interview them. We have a few things in the works. So stay tuned because we very well may be interviewing some cast members or some creators. So thank you so much. And we definitely are working on it. Yes, thank you everyone for all of your support for the So Weird podcast. 
and we hope you enjoyed this installment. I'm Kat. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jimmy. Keep the faith and never give up on so weird.